Hello, everybody, and welcome to this uh, exclusive interview at Espan's Summit. I am Elisa Giudici, and I'm extremely excited to introduce my next guest, Adeo Ressi. Adeo is CEO of the Founder Institute, a startup lunch program based in Silicon Valley that operates in over 200 cities. That's amazing, uh, worldwide. And uh, he also invested in hundreds and hundreds of startups. So welcome, Adeo. It's a really great, great honor to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. Excited to go through everything with you. Uh, it's been a big journey to get here and interesting times as well with pandemic and everything else. I know, I know. It's, uh, it, there's a lot of going on. <laughs> Absolutely. So, well, let's start from the beginning. Let's start with your amazing journey. Um, how did you start to be involved in, in the startup world? How did how, how everything begin? <laughs> Well, uh, it's, you know, depends on how far back you want to go. But uh, I, I was essentially an entrepreneur in high school. Uh, I was working uh, at night at a bank doing their IT uh, consulting uh, stuff, helping them set computers up and the like. And while I was doing that, uh, I got interested in entrepreneurship through a junior achievement program. And the junior achievement teacher was one of the bankers at the bank. So uh, I started making t-shirts and selling them in, in New York City as a, as, you know, a teenager and, and maybe 16, 17 years old. Uh, and that that might have been the first time that I was uh, an entrepreneur in in a sort of informal traditional way. Uh, then when I left uh, college in 1994, uh, I again went and worked briefly uh, for a bank uh, a summer really. And during that summer, I used the color printer of the bank to start printing uh, materials. And back then, nice color printers were unheard of uh, to, to launch, uh, ironically, a tech business. But, but in order to get advertisers and things like that, you needed business cards and brochures and things that were expensive to print. So I would just go to the bank's headquarters. Uh, in my free time, I would print some brochures for my tech startup. And then on nights and weekends, I went out and actually launched uh, my first company. So by really the end of the summer, because I don't think I worked at the bank more than a couple months, uh, I had started my first official tech company, which would have been a couple minutes, uh, a couple months after leaving college. So I, I got right to work with entrepreneurship. Wow, that's great. That's really great. And uh, well, um, so you, you basically know since the beginning that you want to go uh, and uh, to be an entrepreneur or it was like a short journey in your mind? <laughs> well, you know, um, I don't, I never really said I wanted to be an entrepreneur per se. I, no, never, even now. Uh, but there were things that I wanted to do. So, um, you know, I was interested in the idea of making things and making money as a kid. And so when I was working for a bank, you know, building their computer systems, it was truly unfulfilling work. But then when I went and, you know, started making uh, T-shirts and figuring out what should be on the T-shirts and how to sell them and all this type of stuff, I found that far more interesting. And that was more just curiosity and being able to make something and sell it and, and, and finding that very rewarding. When, when I graduated college, um, again, I went to work for a bank and made money, but the, that was also, again, very unfulfilling. 
And uh, there was a number of things that I wanted to do. I wanted to publish a book. I wanted to uh, do a variety of different, uh, you know, work. I would figure out on uh, disrupt various industries like advertising and mass media. Um, and I was uh, kind of stuck working at this bank and I realizing that, you know, my desire to write a book wasn't going to happen working at the bank. My desire to disrupt um, media and advertising wasn't going to happen at the bank. And so that desire to do something made me become an entrepreneur, not like an intrinsic interest in entrepreneurship. So I was driven by a passion and interest, not by some sort of, you know, desire to make money, not by some sort of intrinsic desire in the field of entrepreneur or desire to explore the field of entrepreneurship. It was really there's a bigger thing I wanted to accomplish and entrepreneurship was the means to do that. So it, it was, uh, it was really this uh, push that you feel uh, to do something more and, uh, and to reach your goal that uh, get you in this path. We can say. Yeah, that. exactly. And uh, well, uh, there was, do you think there was really a, a moment um, where you say, okay, um, I got it. This is the, uh, uh, the level that I reach. It's so, uh, it's so good it, that I can now help other entrepreneurs, other startups. And, uh, and when, happened, when, when that happened, how that happened? Well, yeah. So uh, again, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not intrinsically interested in helping startups because I've been like successful or something like that, uh, which, which one, you know, the, the question even implies like I've achieved some sort of success and ergo. And, you know, look, I've been fortunate. I had, uh, the, the two first companies that I started were both, you know, essentially billion dollar companies. Um, and, and, you know, I've had subsequent success both in the nonprofit world and the for-profit world, but success that, that none of that mattered. Like I, I, I'm, I'm more about uh, interested in outcomes than I am in, in money. Um, so my interest in entrepreneurship again, isn't like, oh, I have achieved all this success. How do I help someone? I, you know, I'm not, uh, I believe that entrepreneurship is the vehicle by which positive societal change will come. And I believe that we need uh, a much higher degree of positive societal change happening at the moment. And, and, you know, I can tell you it's not happening because of governments. That's for sure. And, and there's no em empirical, anecdotal, or other evidence that, that that's the case. In fact, governments are sliding downhill. Um, there's no evidence that large corporations are doing it. Um, Though some of the entrepreneurial rooted organizations like Google may be a little bit better than, than some others, but on the whole, corporations, especially when they get really big, tend to do more harm than good. And, uh, you know, so, so that doesn't leave too many other players. Nonprofits are largely ineffective. Though, though some are doing better than others. And so at the end of the day, what's left, you've got individuals, right? And there's definitely a lot of well-meaning individuals who are doing a lot of good in the world and, and startup organizations. And so, you know, having spent a lot of time looking at the problem of transforming society in a positive way, um, you know, which, which has been the trajectory of my career, empowering entrepreneurs is definitely a an important vehicle for positive society transformation and that's needed right now yeah now there are issues right entrepreneurs are not focusing on things that matter as much as they should um 
So that's a problem. You have funding issues that are a problem. And so, you know, we the, if, if we really want entrepreneurs to solve the problems of the world, there needs to be some further improvement in the field of entrepreneurship, which I'm also working on. So again, for me, it's not about oh, I've had some success and I want to help other people. It's more like what's where what's the thing that needs to happen and then make that happen. Yeah, yeah, well, that, that makes absolutely sense. And, uh, uh, and, and I know that um, these, um, these things that you, you just talk about, uh, I think it have also a lot to do with uh, the idea of globalizing Silicon Valley as well. So not, not just Silicon Valley, but something different. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it's thanks this idea that you start uh, the Founder Institute and uh, how, how did you start this idea, this thought? Well, so um, well, basically the humanity has, as you know, been producing pretty poor uh, uh, companies to date on the whole. Uh, you know, if Google, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Apple all went away, and these are some of the largest companies in the last, you know, 30 years, uh, they, they, the, the Microsoft as well, for that matter, the, the, the world would actually be a better place. Um, and I know that's hard to, but, but would it? And, and, you know, I think a lot of people then assume that when you tip, what I mean is if you took Google away, what, how would we search? Well, there's a lot of search engines out there, actually, including like DuckDuckGo, which is all about privacy and security and things like that. And, and is actually a really good search engine. Even Microsoft's clone Bing is, is a great search. It's not like search would disappear and we would be like, uh, uh, you know, groveling animals looking for information. Uh, I would argue that the, the uh, elimination of these uh, conglomerate behemoths would allow for more entrepreneurs to innovate in these areas and come up with better solutions than we have today. We've become complacent with, in many cases, mediocre hardware, mediocre search engines, mediocre e-commerce experiences, mediocre television. Anyone who works in movie production will tell you that the Netflix quality on the whole is much lower than you would see from any sort of studio product. And, you know, so we, we've, gotten, we've gotten complacent in many ways with things that are bad for humanity. So for me, starting the Founder Institute was, I, I, I want to really energize the, the entrepreneurial movement to uh, dispense with the complacency that has uh, brought us to the verge of extinction on this planet. We are at an extinction level event on this planet. So back to why, um, like the innovation that's been concentrated in Silicon Valley produces a very large um, uh, Pareto distribution or power law company that just dominates uh, the competition and eventually creates some sort of uh, complacency. So by bringing some of the best practices from here to the rest of the world, my hope is that we can elevate entrepreneurship from all corners of the planet so that we start to see, you know, powerful regional uh, companies and strong regional companies and interesting regional companies that are creating change from, you know, women in Africa and uh, disenfranchised minorities in parts of Asia, et cetera, so that the, the pantheon of innovation 
created by humanity reflects the diversity of the human beings that use it, which is just not the case. Because I can tell you right now, if you look at the, the, uh, the, the leadership of technology today, it's traumatized white males living in Silicon Valley. They run all of technology. And that's it. Traumatized <laughs> white males living in Silicon Valley. Well, that's a, a, a very scary image. <laughs> that's no, it's true. Nice. <laughs> it's, I, I know them and they are traumatized and they're living mostly in Silicon Valley. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta change that. And, and you know, and I'm a, I'm a white male living in Silicon Valley. So, you know, I'm, I, <laughs> at least I'm, I'm a, a, capable of admitting that there is trauma and, and ready to uh, help change it. And um, how, what do you think um, about the, the funding side? Because um, I mean, um, I know that there is a lot well, of- Well, the funding side makes the innovation side look a lot better uh which is sad because the funding side is really bad um the funding side of the innovation ecosystem if you can always say chicken and egg you know what came first the bad investor or the bad founder uh i can tell you that the worst of the worst founders don't hold a candle to the worst of the worst investors Because if you think traumatized white males are running the uh, startup world, which they are, and the later in the company world in tech, which mostly they are, then you know traumatized white males are you know super running the investor side, and you know <laughs> it's um, it's uh, it, 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 and without you know in the founder and the tech and the entrepreneurial side, there are some checks and balances. And admittedly, these checks and balances are few and far between, but there are some checks and balances. On the investor side, there is just no checks and balances. So uh, any behavior that might be bad in the entrepreneurial or tech world is magnified and much worse in the investor world. So you see, you know, sexual misconduct rampant oh, wow. um oh i mean it's well known and well documented uh you see you know f you know bias uh, based on gender and sexual preference race uh you know and 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 this isn't just in the us this is this is everywhere You know, progressive areas like the Nordics, one uh, percent of uh, venture dollars go. It's like under two percent, so it's just over one percent of all money invested in the Nordics goes to female-led uh, companies. I mean, that's now this is a progressive area of the world where there's a lot, like a huge percentage of tech companies are run by women in this, this region, and, and only 1% of the venture dollars uh, go to women-led businesses. It's like there's, there's two innovation economies when it comes to funding, those led by men and those led by women. And the ones led by women don't have access to the same resources that the things led by men do. So um, again, the venture world is is um, in the in the in in the context of a chicken and egg uh, scenario. Uh, I, I would say you, you can fix the uh, entrepreneurial world only so much, but eventually it's going to bunch us against this this other side which is the venture world and i think the founder institute has had a very positive effect on the whole of entrepreneurship but we are we've now hit 
uh, the glass ceiling of the the imposed by the investors. So we've taken it upon ourselves to completely uh, disrupt venture capital all around the world. And so we, we are launching a thousand uh, funds, maybe more, over the next five years wow. in all areas of the world, from Central Asia to Central uh, United States of America. And these funds are going to be and are run by all sorts of gender, race, and sexual preference. And the intention is that they will eventually start to uh, have a more representative feel for the innovation that we need to see in the world coming from different areas of the world, different genders, different uh, sexual preferences, different races. And then we can start to have a technology that we're proud of that feels very right to us because it's coming from the collective and not like a, a limited set of, you know, traumatized white men. Uh, so I'm, I'm optimistic that we're succeeding in, in both of those arenas. Absolutely. And uh, well, I mean, you, you are really a man of action. Uh, you uh, certainly are disrupting the, um, well, the startups ecosystem in, in both sides. And, and I, I know that you start early to disrupt also the VC world uh, many years ago before. Yeah, I've been working on the VC world figure. for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I remember your um, It's your annoying <laughs> and, it, and it hasn't gotten any better. So uh yeah, and, and that's like, absolutely. I, so, you know, I, I stopped. Uh, so I launched something called The Funded and at a time when venture capitalists were actually just abusive to entrepreneurs. It was like there was this abusive uh, relationship where VCs would regularly miss meetings, regularly, uh, you know, pull term sheets, regularly issue terms that were just uh, flagrantly unfair. Um, and uh, it was abusive. It was among the most abusive things that I'd ever seen. Um, and in fact, it had the hallmarks of, of, of abusive relationships. And uh, I just, I, I, I created something where people could talk about what was happening and it, it stopped. Thank God. But, you know, you know, uh, taking an abusive relationship and transforming it into a dysfunctional relationship uh, is a step in the right direction, but it's not not enough. And so that that's why I went back after a number of years and said, OK, it's no longer abusive, but it's dysfunctional. Let's get it functional. Let's do something more. <laughs> Let's take action. I, I really love that. And um, well, um, I know that uh, in um, 2019, uh, you launched a call to action, uh, a call for all the entrepreneur uh, to um, basically come to you with an uh, idea uh, of startups that has a purpose behind uh, uh, their business model. And, uh, and I know that uh, you just launched now a, um, a project in Amsterdam just for women. So uh, are you going to disrupt also the uh, impact investing uh, ecosystem as well as you have done with all the rest? <laughs> well, you know, uh... It's funny that you ask. So I, again, I don't consider myself successful at, at all. And if the easiest way to look at that is, um, have we stopped rampant self-destruction? Yes or no? And as long as the answer to that question is we, we're 
no, we are continuing to rampantly self-destruct, then I am a, a complete failure. Uh, so uh, we, we are continuing to rampantly self-destruct, um, unfortunately. Now, that I, I, I don't believe that that's an inevitable consequence. I believe that we can stop rampantly self-destructing and uh, do things that are positive and impactful for ourselves, our family, our loved ones, the world, all of life, etc. And we, we need to do that. And that's my belief. I believe that we need to do that. And, and you know, why uh, do we need to do that? I think that if you had asked maybe even eight or nine months ago, uh, a lot of people would be skeptical that we need to do it. And just a mere eight or nine months later, I think most of the world believes that that this this level of change is needed right and uh you've got a pandemic you've got natural disasters at, at uh, historic proportions um it's 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 we are being delivered a message of change in a very profound and and head-on manner from the natural world around us. So I think that right now, you know, when you look at this, and again, I believe the vehicle for change will be entrepreneurship on the whole. Um, so with that said, there's there, my strategy there is, is very, is, First, or well, there's no particular order, but you know, all of the uh, venture capital firms that we're starting or helping to launch are uh, asked to agree to the Mensarius oath. This is a, an, a professional code of conduct very similar to the Hippocratic oath, where the investors are looking to achieve societal returns alongside of uh, other monetary returns. And we think this is super important because to break that glass ceiling, to allow more women, as you brought up, to allow more diverse entrepreneurs the opportunities for success, to allow different ideas uh, to, to be surfaced that might previously have been overlooked or ignored. Um, but that sort of, that's like, that creates a roadway of opportunity. Now you need, you know, uh, uh, things traveling down the road, so to speak. And, and on that front, we've worked uh, to create a definition of an impact company. And this is uh, actually fairly simple. We said, what's a credible organization that's done a good job? And the UN created the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals. And you know the UN isn't always the uh, model of doing anything well, but they did this well, for sure. And there's 169 sub-goals to those 17 primary goals, yeah. and we turned all those into KPIs. So the definition for us of an impact company is very easy. You have one of the 17, one or more of the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals as part of your mission, and then you are acting to affect uh, one or more of these impact KPIs or IKPIs based on the 169 sub-goals. And you track those IKPIs on a monthly or quarterly basis in a public way. Now, a lot of people are like, well, what happens if, you know, you only 
you're a bad impact company. I'm like, that's okay. Like you could have people that take a million dollars and they feed one person, but if they track that, you know, you can be the judge if that's good or bad. Right. Um, this isn't about, uh, quality. This is about definition. And right now there isn't an objective definition for an impact company. So the problem is, how do you know you're an impact investor? You don't, because what is an impact company? No one really knows, right? Yeah. We need, in order to understand, like, are impact companies more successful than normal companies? Well, what's an impact company? Are impact companies raising more money, uh, getting better results, blah, 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 blah. We don't know any of that because we don't know what an impact company is. We need a very clear definition. So we're starting there and our goal is 80% of our portfolio will be impact companies within the next two years. And we have a 5,000 company portfolio right now. So that means that we need to create a lot of impact companies over the next few years. So our, well, that, that's, that's great. There is so, so many information. I have like thousand questions to ask <laughs> right now. So first of all, um, if uh, an investor want to um, apply the same, uh, um, the same model that you do, Uh, this KPI and this system that you created is uh, public in some way they can uh, or yeah, they it's, can... it's it, we're upgrading what it looks like but you can um, what would if you go to fi.co slash declaration um, it's we've declared and it's it's ugly we're actually in the process of redesigning it so Uh, before the end of this year, we're going to have a beautiful new uh, fi.co slash impact page with all we, we do work with uh, disenfranchised minorities. Uh, and it will have a tool to help companies find their IKPI and pick which ones that are right for them. So, uh, but right now, if you go to fi.co slash declaration, you can see all the IKPIs and, and all of this um, uh, thought, thought leadership yeah. in, a, in a less beautiful way than I would like. Well, but I, I love that because, I mean, uh, the problem that you just said, it, it's, it's really a great one. Um, I mean, before uh, this historical period, um, aside to nonprofit and charity, Uh, there wasn't really a, uh, an environment, a, a business environment about impact investing. Uh, so this is a, a huge change. And uh, I really think that investors today, uh, they, they are a bit lost sometimes when they, they, may, they might want to invest more in impact investing, but they really doesn't have, uh, as you said, a guideline to really make an impact and, uh, and they might want to do it. So- Well, the, the, the problem you have is that there, the, I mean, it's a multifaceted, you have a stigma issue, right? Which is a lot of times people uh, incorrectly associate impact with nonprofit. And because of that association, they feel that impact companies can't be as successful because if they're so great for the world, why aren't they a nonprofit? But all of this is uh, just antiquated thinking. Um, first of all, uh, I'll start with, I believe in no uncertain terms, that almost all of the next generation of billion dollar companies will be uh, impact at their core. So, so, of course, not all, but almost all. In the same way, if you look back at the last 30 years, kind of all of the really big billion dollar and soon trillion dollar or trillion dollar companies are all like, really fundamental tech 
platform innovations. I think that the same in 30 years time, like all those tech platform companies will be gone because they are not impactful. And uh, they'll be replaced with as well as have new ones that are really impact driven at their core. And, and those will be the next multi hundred billion and multi trillion dollar companies of, the, of, of this, this coming generation will, will, will all have impact at their core. So, so, you know, I think there's this kind of moment in time where like tech was in the nineties impact is today and sooner or later you know tech investing and impact investing is almost just like investing like if you're going to put money in the stock market today uh you'd almost be crazy to invest in anything but tech companies and same will be said in 30 or so years from today about impact um do you think that uh, there is also a kind of barrier or like a stigma for companies that make impact and do profit? Because, you know, in some culture, uh, probably especially in Europe or in some countries, uh, the fact that a company that uh, is doing uh, an impact, a social impact, uh, but he's also doing, uh, making money with that, uh, it's like wrong or something like that. Do you think there are still these- Right, well, see, that, well that's what, that, that doesn't even, that, that statement is part of what the, the, the problem is, right? Um, like, you know, I would argue that like an Apple or a Google, I mean, Apple is sitting on hundreds of billions of dollars. It's sitting on enormous amounts of money. What is that money doing for the world? I mean, this laptop is not that good. It's just not that good. It's got an old processor, the keyboard's not, I mean, it's just not that good. And So they are selling me a brand um, and overcharging me and then stockpiling that money and it's not doing a single thing to make a single person on this planet any happier, wiser, safer, more enriched, nothing. It's yeah. just sitting in a bank account somewhere. So they are, like some of the other companies in FANG, essentially taxing humanity um, and, not, and we're not getting roads and bridges or anything of value out of it. Now, so, so that's the model of today. Like, oh, we're going to tax the internet or tax technology and then that money's gonna sit in some bank account and like for what? Nothing, right? Conversely, um, a modern day impact company, at least even using the definition that we put together, every time their business model is executed, uh, something positive will happen in the world. There will be no taxing. It's a, the, the business model because the integration of the IKPI is at the business model level. And so the business model will lead to a, a positive outcome in the world. And, and to some extent, um, if they make lots of money doing it, great. I want them to make lots of money doing it. It's not like they're selling me some underpowered piece of crap that I'm overpaying for that helps no one, right? Yeah. This way, at least, you know, the money going into the impact models is in fact creating a great outcome in the world. And if they make a lot of money doing it, great, <laughs> great. Hopefully, they'll be able to repurpose that money to do more 
of what they want in the world related to impact. Great. Like even better. But I don't even care if they they use that money and like buy like have parties with their staff. That's great too. Do whatever you want with the money. If the money is in inherently creating better outcomes for humanity, make all the money in the world. Right? Now, you know, of course, I believe that um I don't have this view that profit is bad. Like I'll I'll I'll, I'll tell you a, a, a simple example. So, you know, if you look at Elon, who's a good friend of mine, um, you know, and and Musk and his work with uh, Tesla and SpaceX, Tesla is is funding his desire to colonize Mars, which is going to take many, many tens of billions of dollars to do. Okay. So he's decided to personally fund humanity's multi-planetary expansion. And he needs Tesla, which for the most part does good in the world. Uh, in order to be successful, in order to fund the his goal of becoming a multiplanetary species. There you go. Okay. So good company A funding good company B because the steward has good intentions. And so I would argue further that for the most part, the leaders of these impact companies are going to have good intentions because they're, that's why they're doing an impact company. And so if they make a lot of money doing it, you're, you're not like Bill Gates is a bad guy. Let's not forget that he has stolen every single thing that has made him money. He's a thief, okay? Oh, now that he has all the money in the world, suddenly he's a great guy? You know, I, God, I'm happy to see that he's changed, right? But, uh, you know, he didn't make all his money by being a good guy. He made all his money by being a real asshole, Okay. Like, I've never seen anyone as bad as he was, ever, to this day. Number one bad, right? Ruthless. Crush the competition. Ruthless. Steal. I mean, he stole DOS. And just horrible stuff. And, you know... I don't want to give a guy like that money ever again, right? We should be backing models by people who are doing things that make the world better, right? And, and you know, I'm, I'm happy he's gone through a transformative period and is doing positive things in the world now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we didn't need to go through his whole kind of midlife and early life trauma cycle in the tech world. He's, he, he single-handedly hurt modern day technology. And, and we've got to end that. That's why we need more people from different cultures and different backgrounds contributing to the tapestry of our innovation. And how, how do you, um, do you choose aside the, the KPIs because there is a lot of more than that? Uh, how do you do you choose an entrepreneur? Uh, so I know there is. I don't, some- I, you know, I'm not. I'm not in that. I don't. You know, all I try to do is 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 avoid working with people that have um, intrinsic mental health issues that will uh, hurt their chances for. Uh, Entrepreneurship is an inherently difficult thing to do. 
and the the stress levels and the pressure is very high. So if you have intrinsic mental health problems, um, entrepreneurship can cause uh, suicide and and other things to happen that that really are are unfortunate. So my my at least in terms of my overall. Um, goal is to, you know, find suitably healthy, uh, well-adjusted, well-meaning people and, and work with them to execute their, their dream for a better future. Uh, but outside of that, outside of like mental health and well-being, um, I'm, I'll, I'll work with anyone pretty much. <laughs> and well, uh, I think it's again, it's um, it's not easy to uh, to be an entrepreneur on one side, but also the investor side can be uh, can can be not so easy if you want to do in in the right way, uh, because as you said, it's not a uh, it's not an easy work. I mean, I know that because uh, uh, as a woman. <laughs> Uh, it was a tough path at the beginning because I, I started to be an entrepreneur when I was pretty young and uh, in Italy. Uh, I mean, it, it was really tough uh, on, on that side. And, uh, and then I enter in the uh, investor's world and I find myself quite alone as women as well, again. So yes. <laughs> it's... Uh, yeah, it's probably worse in the investor side. Yeah, especially Sadly. in the investors in tech, it's it's even worse. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll fix that. Uh, I, I will. I, I, our programs will uh, probably you know really ten x the number of women gen actual general partners. A lot like, unfortunately, I think there's some. Uh, gender washing of venture capital right now where there are female partners that, you know, maybe aren't really, you know, they're, they're kind of partners. So things look good, but uh, you know, we're trying to create female run venture capital firms at scale. So maybe we'll launch a, a 400 or 500 of the thousand will be led by women. So hopefully that will, will, will increase your, uh, your female peers in, in, in the field by a lot, hopefully. Oh, I, I really hope so. I, in, on both sides, on, on founder side. And yeah, no, it's side, needed. It's I mean, needed. It's, uh, <laughs> it's something it's needed. I really love to see uh, pretty soon. I know, the, I know it's not easy, but I mean, um, I think it's not easy on, on both sides because um, being a woman uh, in tech, uh, sometimes, no, um, what I mean is that um, I see that sometimes women tend to be uh, a bit, go a bit strong with men because they uh, immediately start with the idea that they are going to, to do something wrong <laughs> because they are, uh, well, working with women and uh, everything's uh, like that. So um, I think we also need to five out of achieve. seven investors that my one of my friends in Europe uh, pitch uh, hit on hit on her. Oh, wow. Five out of seven. I mean, well, and so that's that's like not because she pitched seven. That's out of pitching many dozens. And, and she has told me that she doesn't want to pitch investors anymore because it's mm. just not comfortable for her to do so. Now, that's, really uh, that's unacceptable, yeah, right? That's, that's just unacceptable. unacceptable. That's, that's not acceptable at all. Right, it's not acceptable. It's uh. just not, you know, look, I, look I, and, and I'm not here to judge. Like if you find someone attractive and, and you know, there are ways to do it that are acceptable, right? But, you know, you, you could, for example, um, let 
a number of weeks or months. I mean, if, if you're really that interested in this female entrepreneur that came to pitch you, wait six months after you, your firm has passed and, you know, come to them and say, you know, hey, I really love meeting you. And, you know, while your idea wasn't a fit, um, I don't, would you be open to, you know, going out sometime? But like this idea that you're using the power dynamic of your role to, to hit on someone in the meeting or right at, it's just totally inappropriate. Oh, no. um, and, I, totally and, and, and you know, I'm not trying to be judgy here. There are ways to do it that it can, can be professional and yeah. respectful, like I just brought up. Um, but that's not what's happening, right? So there, there, there's a lot of room for improvement in the VC world today, and it will yeah. come, mark my words. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. Well, I, I would like to see uh, a day where, where this trust is restored, that that was the main, uh, well, the main things for me. Uh, I know that because, I mean, uh, especially when I was an entrepreneur, it happened to me a lot with bankers, with uh, any times I need something. <laughs> there was these things around and it was crazy. Um, I'm sorry. I'm but, sorry. And I, I am genuinely sorry. I know I, when I see it happen, I try and stop it right away. Um, and not, I'm sorry, like it's not acceptable. Should never have happened to you. It should never happen to anyone. Let's just be 100% clear. And, you know, um, to any uh, male counterpart out there, you know, just stop. Just stop, stop. You know, it's, I, uh, I'll describe it in a way that is a little more, at, so look, you know, a lot of men are traumatized, especially men that grew up with computers. They grew up with computers because their home life was messed up and they didn't have like, they weren't a jock or whatever. So they like didn't have like the classic, you know, Hollywood childhood. Uh, they were kind of like the nerds in the closet. Um, and uh, then all of a sudden now they're like, oh, I have all this power and ooh, like women are interested in what I have to say. And they conflate that with, with something that it's not, right? And so it's, it's, I'm not, there's no blame here, right? It's, it's not, it, we just needs to stop. Oh, yeah. And yeah, if absolutely. you find yourself, if you find yourself doing it, you know, you should probably and you can't and you don't know what it is, why or why it's happening and you can't control it. You should seek counseling because the reality is like, you know, a lot of people were traumatized and this is coming out of that trauma. And it, we just need to we need to move past it. And, and there's a brighter future without this, much brighter. When, yeah. when, when you don't feel the way that you've had to feel and like my friend doesn't want to raise money, this is not appropriate. It's not, it's not helping humanity. No, right? no, not, not at all, not at all. I mean, I'm, I'm still positive and and uh, and again I I'm still hopeful and uh, and I mean Me I, I really get fast a lot I I had to fire a couple of agents when I, when I was like my 20s because they really hit hard on me and I was like crying and I had to fire them it was crazy so uh, it's not just about power it's really about uh, to see a woman that uh, maybe it's younger than you and uh, uh, and is your boss in that case. So, <laughs> I mean, it happens every time, but um, the message for me important is really uh, that 
we need to rebuild this trust uh, and, and we need to start with the, with the small things. And I really appreciate what you are doing uh, with the VC Labs, with uh, the Founder Institute. I, I really see a community and ecosystem that is uh, a positive ecosystem. And, uh, and that's also one of the reasons I'm still really positive and, and hopeful that uh, things are changing. Well, well thank you. I, I have two daughters. So, you know, uh, one's a teenager uh, and one is uh, seven. So I have a seven and a 14 year old. Uh, I also have a son. And uh, the, but, you know, I want to ensure that they have um, the least traumatized existence possible, which, you know, so far seems to be going okay. And then uh, secondly, <laughs> Uh, that they have fair and equal opportunity to pursue their dreams, however they see fit, when they when they are ready and 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 want want to do something in the world. Um, so, uh, the, the, in many ways, that that's my motivation. But I also see that um, you know we have a. Um, We've been given a very unique gift, but it's, it's, it's not, not an easy thing. So we achieved all of this great power in such a short period of time. Uh, and it's, it's been incredible, but uh, we kind of abused it unintentionally like we could suddenly fish and track fish and the next thing you know we've like eliminated fish in the ocean and we can hunt and like ingrain and and sell and buy land and all of a sudden we eliminated all the uh lands for grazing in africa and we, we but we could we could achieve these great powers and then by uh, mostly unintentional consequences, we, we've abused them in such a way that we've done pretty significant damage to, to our, our, our world. And so the opportunity for us, we're in the generation where, where it's clear what we've done and we have all this power and now we need to change. And you know, that's a great, so back to the opening self-destructive point, like I think we can embark on a journey of constructive change where we take all this power, take all of our knowledge and take all of the need and make the world into something really beautiful. And I think that's the, that's the path that I choose every day. And I'm not going to say I'm perfect. I am not perfect. I probably drink a little too much these days and, uh, and the like, but, um, you know, I try to be as, as conscious and not self-destructive as 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 possible uh you know i i wash and recycle all of my my stuff and try to produce the, the 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 littlest amount of waste that i can and it's actually been difficult in covid times because in the past you could go and get things and bring it home in uh you know in bin in your own bins and now they don't let you touch anything Right. So I still try really hard to produce as much or as little uh, waste as possible. And, you know, I think I think we have the power, we have the knowledge and we have the opportunity. And so then it's just up to us to to make the beautiful outcome that we want. We have everything needed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And uh, well, uh, I would like to thank you 
uh, Adeo so much for this interview, for your time. Uh, it was amazing. I would like to talk with you for hours, but I know <laughs> you can't. Well, yeah, I'm getting texted that, uh, you know, <laughs> yes. my next meeting started <laughs> yeah, four minutes no, no. ago. I know, I know, I know. And so I just would like to thank you again. And uh, uh, just one last thing. Uh, if someone want to um, be in contact uh, with the Foundry Institute or the VC Labs or uh, the- Yeah, Fund. just go to fi.co. And if they're interested in VC Lab, it's fi.co slash VC. Um, you know, we're, we're, the whole of the Foundry Institute is an organization built on a passion of helping you to realize your dream. That's why we're here. So, um, and, and do that in a healthy and constructive way. So thanks everyone for your time as well. Thank you. Thank you, Adeo. Thank you so much. Hey, I really hope you enjoyed this interview. If you did, go to newsletter.impactintech.org and subscribe to our updates and videos. Spread the voice of Impact in Tech. Be part of the community. Let's make an impact together every day as we build up the Impact Nation. Mm -hmm.